exhausting. advantage of my partner that I was in that relationship with everything in that category was being taken care of it was, I was unfulfilled and I was very unhappy but I didn't know that because the model of marriages and relationships I had growing up was that is exactly what it was it was very one-sided my parents both did exactly what they wanted whenever they wanted and their intimate relationships often suffered from that my dad worked exactly when he wanted to my mom went out whenever she wanted to my dad uh, independently took trips without the family without my mom and there's nothing wrong with that but that's he would just do his own thing and then she would do her exactly the same thing she would do her own thing so to me as long as I was wearing the pants in a relationship as long as I had control in the relationship which is what my dad did then I felt like I was at home I felt like this is what relationships were meant to be is that as long as you felt like you had more control or as long as you felt these things that I'm describing that was technically happiness that was technically a relationship that was technically intimacy because that was all I had modeled for me okay so the reason that the diagram is important is because I was all having major fun with my friends if anything my friends became my family at this time in my life um, because I didn't know that family could be better I guess because that was again the model I had so that's why that's such an important distinction is because um, again it broke up that particular category of relationships. My intimate life was suffering, but I had no idea. So prior to 2017, these first three categories that were all that was my life encompassed, making money, having fun with my friends. And then the reason I put passion and purpose in there, that was really big because it was, I did whatever the F I wanted, whenever I wanted to. So I went out and I was a young person, by the way. And, um, we all were, but at this time, as I'm describing, I was also only a part-time mom because I only had one child and it was in a split family. We were blended at the time before Brent and I got back together. Right. So I, I could do whatever I wanted, like half of the time. And that's exactly what I did. So that's why that in, in retrospect on problem reflection, that's exactly why those three things were huge priorities. But you'll also notice that both spirituality and mental and physical well-being are very small in 2017 and before, because I had no spirituality in my life. I never talked to, I mean, I actually had feelings about God and organized religion, so they weren't great, but that's why they're so small. And then my mental and physical well-being were always suffering. Now, like I knew physicality-wise, like being overweight, being a curvy woman, I had, um, you know, assumptions that I probably wasn't the healthiest. I had no idea how bad my mental health was. I had no idea. I was just subconsciously living, um, you know, on an autopilot behavior. Again, like the, the things I just described, like my relationship at home was not healthy. But because I thought that it was normal... That's what I was living. And so my mental space was tore the F up. I had no self-love. I had such negative self-talk. Um, who the fuck do you think you are kind of syndrome. And then, you know, the mirrored image of that in my life was then taking that kind of stuff out on my partner. Like, who do you think you are? And I, I'm, I'm the bigger deal in this relationship because that level of control of putting myself on a pedestal so I didn't have to feel less than, okay? So that was 2017 before I knew anything about personal development. This is exactly how I would say in retrospect, my priorities looked, okay? So why is this important? Well, because if we take it to the next year, 2018, this was when I started to understand. Actually, I should get them both up. Hold on. This is when I started to understand what personal development was. Okay. So I don't, this is a really small window. So we'll see what we can do in terms of letting you see them both at the same time. Because if this was, my microphone's in the way. Let's try this. Okay. This was the 2018 revelation. Okay. So you can just see how they're different. Like, like I don't have to explain to them, explain to you exactly. Like I really did go through um, each and every one of the years to really describe this. But let's just move it up so that we can get to a little bit more revel, revelance. Yes. Having it be relevant. That's the word. Okay. So um, this is what I was describing on the live. Okay. Is that over the years of personal development, the, um, the priority started shifting. Mostly as I started understanding myself a little bit better, um, as I started to understand that there was things that were lacking in my life, as I started to quite literally do the research of understanding personal development, growth, um, spirituality, and how they're all connected and stuff like that. So things continue to shift each year. And I could, in retrospect, which I encourage you to do, is I could sit down and I could see with each year what was the toughest priority. And so coming around between 2018 and 2000, uh, right before 2020 and covid I was like in flow, like things were going really well. Um, I felt really good. But at the beginning of 2020, or I shouldn't say beginning of 2020, I would say after an extension of COVID, which I know has affected everybody, I started to notice a change in my mental awareness. I started noticing a change in personal development for me, uh, but mostly in um, my mental headspace. I, I, I could tell that there was a disconnect. And so the reason I wrote this down is because... Um, 
the, the, the culmination of 2020 and 2021, you may be able to see, hopefully, no, you can't because it's just too close. It doesn't matter, Rachel. Okay. Um, let's talk about it though. I could tell that as I started to get some personal development under my belt, okay, I could tell, I could feel it. And this is really important because I actually had a really great session with a client today who, um, at the very end of it, I was like, is there anything else you want to talk about while we have a little bit of time together? I know we have a session that we, you know, get to book here coming up. And she said to me, am I a lost cause? And oh my God, I said, stop it. Don't say things like that. Like it broke my heart to hear a grown ass person feel like they may be unhealable would be probably the um, expression I would use because nobody's broken. You have to remember that. Like, there's nothing wrong with you at all. There just isn't. Uh, but we're just discovering that who we were told to be doesn't really align with who we say we want to be. That's when we start to feel confliction as adults. We start to move away from everything we were always told. We start to exist in a place of our higher self, our true person, our soul, whatever it is that you want to call it, just the person you want to be starts to grow and it can't hide anymore. So the conflict you begin to feel on the inside of who you are is that I know who I am or I at least know who I was told to be. I was told to be a woman. I was told to be white. I was told to be middle class. I was told to be a, um, a, a wife. Did I say that one already? But I was told to be a mother. I was told to be a homemaker, but I was also told to be somebody with a career. I was told um, to not wear glasses. I was told to have straight teeth. I was told to have good complexion. I was told to have Pamela Anderson breasts. I was told to have a tight waist. I was told to have a big ass, but not until like the late 20s, right? Like you could not have a big ass in the 90s, right? So all these things I was told to be, but I was a woman with curves. I was a woman that was smaller chested compared to everybody else on planet earth in my book, right? I was a woman who needed glasses because I was blind. So each and every time these things were now created into my reality, I was internally invalidating who I was because I didn't feel like I was meeting up to somebody else's standards and acceptance of my identity, okay? So as I started to grow, okay, so the reason I went on that tangent was because as I started to get into personal development, what is especially true of women, but for all human beings, is that you're going to start to notice that that discord, for me, at least the recognition I give to that is that it's intuition. All of us are built with these superhuman abilities, and they're not superhuman because we all have them, but we would cater them as superhuman. Some of them um, also identify as Claire's, meaning like um, Claire audio, like if you hear things that aren't actually like happening here, but like, anyways, okay. My Claire, I believe, is um, to feel. I believe, I'll take that one step further, meaning like, because okay, you're like, all humans feel. Yeah, we sure do. But you all know somebody who does not feel a whole lot. You all know somebody who cannot uh, identify with the energy in the room. You all um, know somebody who has zero empathy in their life. I believe that I was almost borderline cursed with empathy. And I don't really think it's a curse. I just think that it was my Claire. I don't think that I can hear things. I don't think that I can see things. I don't think that I can smell things. I don't think that I can um, like tangibly feel something as if some other people can. I believe I feel. And more so around that, I believe I have the ability to transmute energy. As an example, you know, I had somebody ask me one time um, who was aspiring to coach that was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, how do you just deal with people's problems, Rachel? Like, how do you not get tired or not get exhausted? And it was a reflection moment for me because I had never taken it into consideration because it had never been a problem. Often when I am done coaching, especially when I'm done doing something high energy like a party or um, an empowerment class, because those are uplifting and empowering, right? I can't tune myself down. Like, I... I am going to be wired for a little bit. And it's the most natural type of energy that you cultivate. Like there's no caffeine involved. There's no narcotics involved. It's it's almost indescribable. It's a problem because if I run an empowerment class or I have um, a, um, a party that runs till 10 o'clock or even 11 o'clock, right? I'm not coming down from that. So I don't get to bed till minimum one or two in the morning when I've been able to get my nervous system down to a more neutral state. Tea doesn't help. Warm baths don't help. Trying to go to sleep doesn't help. Sometimes even like uh, marijuana doesn't help. THC, cannabis, CBD, any of those things, they just don't help because you can't suppress the natural energy that you're feeling. So the reason I feel like this is an important Claire to have is because transmutation, I don't know if that's a word, but I, ma I made it up, right? Is that like when I come out of a coaching call or I come out of back-to-back -back consultations with somebody who's had trauma in their life or they're expressing all the negative that's going on currently in their world because they're trying to be better people, you would think and naturally, as this person said to me, like, how do you deal with other people's problems that way? You would think that it would affect me so negatively that I wouldn't be able to function per se when I come out of something like that. But it's almost like for a, for a hot minute, I had to do a reflection over whether or not I was doing the wrong or right thing coming out of a session and still being high energy. 
Like, not necessarily like, oh, that person's life is shit. Like, I feel so good about my life. That's not what it is. But it's hard to describe how you can go from listening to somebody's um, literal trauma programming in 60 minutes and come out feeling good. That's what I believe my ability is, is I believe my ability is to hold space for people in the uncomfortable. And it's not that I don't empathize with them. And it's not that I, I just don't feel it. I don't take it on as negative energy. I hold that space and I literally mute it. I make that energy become neutral or I make that energy become positive. More importantly, I use a catalyst of tools or recognition or um, validation or planting seeds about growth and things like that to literally take that energy that was compounding within your body and feeling so gross to uplifting it, uplifting it as you deserve to. So, um, the reason I'm saying that is because that intuition that you've been talked out of when you were a child, as an example, I've used this before, right? Is that you need to trust your own body. You need to trust your own decision-making and you can't do that when you're a wee one, you rely on your community. Um, I heard somewhere that it's not until you're like seven years old, that if you were like by yourself, that you could literally start to learn how to survive. That's a long time. It's almost a decade that, you know, you have to rely on somebody, something, um, some, the, the community to help teach you not only what the tools that you need to live, but then to survive and then take those tools and cultivate them into a greater good or a greater philosophy or a greater something of more tools so that as you transition into adulthood with different problems and different seasons of life, that you'll be able to take those tools and use them. Most of us never get any of that. Our parents didn't have it. Everybody was just surviving to survive. And that was just replicated in trauma um, in so many generations. And if we think about it, it starts to make a little bit of sense because again, another thing that I say, which I think is important to really understand the human race is that we're babies there are species of plants and animals that are older than human beings are fuck birds birds are literal dinosaurs okay we are babies we're babies when we're here so when we make that consideration it's not as an excuse for bad behavior for the masses of people who can't get their shit together it's understanding that they're literally functioning at an immature soul level that's what it is it equates to energy that as a human race if you took us all into a room like we say that we're adults and we have adult thinking but most of us don't we're literally programmed at 12 or 13 years old and we're out functioning as adults we're literally running society it's kind of crazy to think about, right? So you are coached out of your intuition. As an example, you you need to be able to rely on self and what you think, all right? But until you can, you have to go off of what you've been told. So as an example, I like to use is like, say, let's say when you're younger and you're in the car and you say to your mom, oh, I have to go potty. And she says, oh, okay, we're only about 10 minutes from home. I need you to hold it, right? In that moment, what you are coached to do subconsciously, right? It's, it's with good intention. And again, that's what community is meant to do. Like if we are in safe communities, it's meant to better our lives. It's meant to make our lives more efficient. It's meant to keep, keep us safe. It's meant to help us grow. And this is one of those examples, but it's still, it still reigns to be true around the um, neutrality of the intention, I guess, right? Is that if, if we're being asked to hold our bladder, we're now being told that we basically rely on when somebody else tells us it's okay to go potty. We have to, and right? Again, the intention is good because mom's trying to basically give us the endurance of allowing us to hold our bladder, uh, but also to not wet ourselves in the car for whatever reason, whether that's out of embarrassment or efficiency or cleanliness or whatever. It's a lesson that's being taught, but ultimately we're being taught that there are other cues that we need to listen to when it's time to go to the bathroom. We have to do it at school. We have to have to ask for permission all the way through high school. You have to get a pass to go to the bathroom. And if you can't go to the bathroom at that time, you're then being coached that you're incorrect for listening to your bodily needs, right? And that's just one example. So that's one time it's being ticked the box basically that says don't trust your intuition. You don't know best about what's best for you. Society as a whole, you don't know what's best. Somebody else is going to tell you that. And then that's one one thing, one fucking thing that we adopt when it comes to understanding ourselves. So super, super important, right? So that's why this is so, it, it, it's so like nerve wracking borderline as you moved into personal development, because you're, you're basically having to choose yourself and intuition over anything else. Now you'll know the difference by the way, because this is a struggle bus that a lot of people go through when we talk about personal development is, um, is this intuition or like, how do I know basically, how do I know that this is intuition and not just something that I'm being told or whatever. And it comes with time. There's a lot of time that you're going to have to sit in the uncomfortability of trying to make the decision on whether or not this is something that I am making for myself as a decision or if somebody else had told me to do that. And that's the conflict because if inside, like using that example of going to the bathroom, inside was telling you, but I have to pee now. 
But the outside, the outside society, the outside influence, parents, teachers, pastors, anybody, anybody of influence to you, including your society, including your governments, including celebrities, including TV, television, music, movies, books, all of the things, they all have influence. So the outside is telling you, no, 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 you don't go to the bathroom as soon as you need to you hold it, right? So that's just an example where there is conflict about what I've been told to be and who I am, okay? Now, um, so most importantly, all right, as this intuition starts to grow, you're just gonna have to be very comfortable with making decisions around that. And one one thing that might be helpful to this is understanding that the very picturesque decision-making that's given to us is like, listen with your head and your heart, right? And men, quote unquote, in our society are conditioned to, to, to listen to their head. Women are societally told that you listen to your heart. That's what makes you emotional. But ironically, you listen to neither of those when you're listening to intuition. You pay attention to your gut and your gut has its own brain. That's actually something we know now to be true of 2023 is that your gut actually has its own brain. So that's really kind of cool, but it also starts to make sense then why we should trust that intuition when we feel it in our bellies because that's where it comes from, okay? So as you start to become more attuned to knowing what's right for you, um, it's gonna be difficult, especially for you chronic people pleasers, which was me, is because you're gonna have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You're gonna have to get, and here's the thing is that I think that for, especially for people pleasers is that you take this notion on that um, rocking the boat is gonna be all about confrontation and yes, that's going to happen from time to time, but it doesn't happen all the time. And it doesn't happen nearly as often as the story that you're telling yourself in your head. If I was to speak up, what would happen? If I was to say something now, um, you know, whatever, whatever, that's a story you're making up in your head, especially if you never jumped into confrontation, you have nothing to compare it to. All right. So like you're definitely making it worse in your head than it really is because often it might just be you voicing your opinion. Somebody going, Oh, never thought about it that way versus who the F do you think you are? I'm going to push you down a cliff because that's tends to happen to us. All right. So when we're looking at like um, the 2020 thing, as, as I was saying, right, is that I I believe that at this point in my life, as you remember before, like I said, wealth and relationships were, they were priority number one. And when I say relationships, I say friendships, right? Now, at this time in my life, because I had gone through personal development, I started to understand these areas of my life and how they were connected. Um, money was still a huge a, a thought in my mind. Is that the right word to say? It was always something I was still thinking about because even though I had moved on in terms of priorities and things in my life, I still had not tackled my beliefs around around wealth and money. So it was still something I thought about all the time. I'm not making enough money. We don't have enough money. Like I'm such a failure, blah, 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 blah. Hadn't got there yet, okay? But I had switched my thinking around my intimate relationships because now it'd been seven, eight years that I'd been in this relationship with my now husband. Um, I'd been out of that relationship with Brent that was very toxic for the both of us for a very long period of time. So I had plenty of time to reshift my thinking. Sorry, if you're listening, you're, you're hearing that. I didn't mean to do that three times. Uh, but I'd shifted my thinking and I definitely had moved intimacy to a higher priority in my list than I had before. And so this was definitely something I was thinking about all the time. Spirituality was huge for me at this time. I had finally kind of come into terms of my own and having a belief system. So it had really changed a lot of my confidence because I had belief in something bigger than myself. I had belief in understanding, you know, why I believed I was here and my intention of being here as a human being and the spiritual and the ethereal and all that stuff or whatever. Um, so I was doing really well. And the reason that's important is because basically a lot of areas in my life that I'd been struggling with before, I was now coasting. And I don't want to say coasting like per se, like there was work that needed to be done. There was like fine tune-ups that needed to be done as well. But I had the spiritual endurance of not needing to, let's say, for example, go to the gym every day because uh, COVID really shut that down. But I had acquired so many skills from 2018 to 2020 about cleaner eating, moving my body, um, you know, fasting, choosing better options and so on and so forth that I had enough tools under my belt to kind of coast at that time. So I dropped all this weight. A lot of people had seen that. Um, I was feeling really good. That was obviously contributing to my mental health. I was also um, working with life coaches and therapists at the time. So all of that was going really well for me. And when 2020 happened and we couldn't go to the gym anymore, I had alternatively found ways to move my body, but then it just wasn't working and it didn't feel the same. So my point being is that as I stopped going to the gym as often and frequently, it didn't knock me off my rocker right away because again, I had built up a skill set that I could autopilot fast. I could autopilot make a lunch. I could autopilot choose to not drink pop, right? Because they, they had become my new lifestyle, right? And as this progressed, this is just one, this is the example that I'm going to tie together because here today where I said is, is 30 pounds heavier. So um, at 2020, 
there was a lot going on for me personally, but I could feel, I could feel innately that I knew that the, the next leg of personal development was about to happen. I knew that it was, and even more so, I knew that it was going to involve my kid. I knew that it was going to involve my son. And it's also important to recognize here that when personal development kicked off for me, my children went on the back burner. And I know that sounds terrible to say, but I'm going to admit it to you. And it's not that they were neglected. It's not that they weren't taken care of. It's not that I wasn't present for their events. It wasn't, you know, that I wasn't taking them to get their haircuts or missing their ortho appointments. None of that. All of that stuff was going fine. Autopilot mothering, right? I had learned enough in mothering to be able to keep my children alive and to give them their basic needs. But I was not going above and beyond. I was not invested in like what was going on in Cole's life. Um, you know, I wasn't asking, you know, deepening questions. It was just the very surface level, how was your day stuff? And so we were getting by. And, you know, naively, like this was okay at the time because there wasn't a need to overexert my relationship with him per se. And I was busy. Like I was, I was humbly but selfishly and not like inappropriately selfishly like selfishly busy I was bettering myself through my business I was bettering myself with relationships so that I could build a good future for us and also be a really good um you know influence for my kids like I know that without a doubt I wasn't doing anything wrong per se but I could tell that I just knew and whether this was because I've been in personal development whether it was because you know I'm a little woo-woo-y now whether it's just because I'm a mom doesn't matter I just knew that he was going to be the next leg of my journey and so when um when I also will say this right now is that something I've recognized about my patterns is and I'm so grateful to tell you that the recognition is the most important thing because now I don't do it anymore and granted it's only been a year but a year is a solid fucking time to not slip up the way that I used to in terms of um, things being tough for me um, I'm an avoider anybody relate okay I'm, I'm a duster under the rug kind of person okay but what that ultimately equates to is that I don't deal with problems until they're beyond being a problem like there's consequences that people are hurt, people are let down, expectations have been dropped. That is my problem. That was that was my problem. That was my problem when it came to the tough stuff is um, there needed to be, basically be an outside force that caused me to then deal with things. And that was exactly what happened with my kid. And um, it's very personal for him. So it's not necessarily like what it was just it was within his relationship. And it was not just like it was majority normal like teenage things, but it had its additional little element to it. And so when this happened, I just knew that that was it. I knew that that was my wake up call. I knew that it had gone too far because my lack of responsibility for self was now affecting my child. Like I was not at a point where I was breaking down the barriers of generational trauma. I was perpetuating them. I was allowing my kid to replicate my mistakes because I wasn't willing to get uncomfortable and have the conversations with him that were necessary. And again, this is mostly in retrospect. So if you feel like this is something that you're relating to or struggling with, please know that you got to give yourself grace because in those moments, it was a lot of excuses that I didn't really recognize I was feeding myself like, oh, he doesn't want to talk to me or, oh, I've, I've said some really great things to really plant those seeds that I'm open and he should come talk to me. Um, or I don't know, or like, or this is normal teenage stuff that's going on. I don't know. But most importantly, it was about my own, my own uncomfortability because I didn't want to be uncomfortable. I let things slide, I guess is how I would describe this. Okay. So when this happened, um, it was like everything changed. Like I didn't have a choice, right? Like, because I said I, I had a problem that I would let things get to a, pro a, a part. Uh, I'd let things get to a problem where they're a problem is what I'm trying to say, right? So when, when things broke open and there was no denying and there was no um, getting around it, right? This, like I said, I'm so, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that it's over in a, in a, in a sense of my cycle. I have, I have completed my cycle. I have ended my cycle. I've understood my lesson from my cycle. It just fucking sucks that it had to affect somebody that I loved for it to become an awareness for me. But I'm going to ask for grace in this moment because for most of us, this is exactly what it is. We don't make change until it's too little too late. We don't make change until we've been so hurt or so burned that we never want to be that hurt again. We don't make change until it's literally painful to do. We don't actively choose to make change before this because otherwise we would do it. So um, this was the best thing that could have ever happened to my son and I. Um, and I, I wouldn't have been able to say this in the moment. I wouldn't have been able to say it a couple months after. But sitting here today, I can tell you that it was the best thing. And so why am I 30 pounds heavier today than I was about a year, year and a half ago? That's when I started to put it on. It's multifold. It's not because I failed at putting um, myself first. 
I did put myself first, but I put myself as a mother first over the last year. I didn't put my physical health um, as a priority because I didn't have the time. I, I, let me let me rephrase that because this is what I said in the live. I had time. I could have made the time, right? I could have gone to the gym at three or four o'clock in the morning so that I was still maintaining that that weight loss, I guess I should say. But I didn't have the energy to go to the gym. The, the literal energy it took to be fully, painfully present with my kiddo as he needed it I didn't have anything left to go to the gym and I wasn't going to sacrifice the energy that I invest with my husband because he's my anchor. He is like the refill my cup thing. So that was always going to maintain a priority. I wasn't going to put my business on the back burner because I'd worked too fucking hard to get it to where it was as an individualized brand that I could exist within and actually grow. I wasn't going to, I was not going to compromise that and not, not like selfishly, like, because I knew it was important to my mental health that if I wasn't going to get to the gym, I needed some kind of access to creativity. And that's what my job was always con a constant for me. It never wavered. My, my passion of coaching is what gym is to my sister. It is the outlet for creativity. It is the outlet for frustration. It is the outlet for growth. It is the outlet for anxiety. It's the outlet for depression. And she has, she has openly told me that. She's openly told me that if she does not go to the gym, she does not mentally feel good. So the endorphins help her. It's her natural antidepressant. Great. I'm so grateful that my sister has figured that out about herself. She deserves that. Uh, so for me, it's kind of the same, but it's not the gym. I just found another lip gloss in a pocket. That's pretty funny, Rachel. Um, so... For me, it's the same. Whereas I, I, do I wish that my health, my physical health was always top priority number one? Sure. But I also am in full acceptance and belief that the mental headspace that I've given myself over growing with Cole supersedes the 30 pounds I put back on my body. The physical stuff is just weight. It's just fat. Um, I know I can remove it. And this, I know I can remove it because I've done it before. And this is a very pivotal point for me in my growth because any past me that would have put on weight would have beat the ever living shit out of myself. I would have been terrible. I wouldn't have said it out loud and I would have commiserated with my girlfriends by getting together on Friday nights and binge eating and stuffing our faces and, you know, giving ourselves that permission to do it. But in private and even subconscious, my monkey mind would have said, see, who the fuck do you think you were? You could have never kept that weight off. Who the fuck do you think you were? You thought you had it handled, but here we are. You're 30 pounds heavier again. And now I'm grateful to have that awareness that it could have been that way. But I'm even more grateful to still love myself today at probably about two. I mean, like, well, last time I weighed myself, I was like 190, 195. Uh, I'm not 250. 250 is the heaviest I've ever been. But I'm just not mad at myself. And it's not being in acceptance that the 30 pounds is okay. That's not what I'm saying. Because if you saw my focus, which I'm done trying to give you the visual aids because it's just, anyways, if you saw my focus for 2023, you would see that while I'm not going to push myself to get back into the gym, I don't want to feel uncomfortable in my body. I don't want to be unhealthy. And I don't want to completely backslide into all of the habits that used to be me before I chose me. So I'm giving myself grace and recognition that I've maintained some of the habits that I started in 2018 to 2020. And that's so cool to think about that I've changed my lifestyle. I've cultivated habits that are better for me than younger me would have ever had. So that's important to really recognize and acknowledge how far that I've come. It's important to give myself grace when I look at the 30 pounds and the fact that I'm into an extra large pair of pants again and love me because the sole level of who I am and the choices I make have not faltered, have not changed. The only thing that changed was the physical body. And what's so important about that is that if I was to become a millionaire tomorrow or if I went bankrupt tomorrow, none of you would ever know it. You'd never know it unless I shared it with you. But the only thing that you can physically see that's changing about me is my body. So I basically am wearing my battles on my body. So anytime that I might be visually heavier, you know that I'm going through something and not necessarily even bad because not, not only is part of what I had to go through with Cole, part of this 30 pounds, but I also gave up drinking. I just, it's been a year and five months. It's been a year and five months since I've been dry. I don't regret it. I don't miss it. It's one of the easiest things I've ever given up in terms of my vices, but it was a vice. I use alcohol as a social lubricant 
to be able to use the excuse that I was who I was. And I think some, some of you may be able to relate to this, right? Is that when we drink, it gives us the permission, the inauthentic permission to exist and operate as someone we think that we are or that we really are. But we've used that as an excuse so that if I'm loud when I'm drunk, I can blame it on being drunk, right? Because I was told all my life to be quiet or to settle down or not to be so seen. So that gives me the excuse to authentically be me. And so the reason I'm saying that is because when I went from removing alcohol from my life, that meant that I had to be painfully in acceptance that I either had to be who I was or suffer and pretend still. And when I chose to try to be more authentic to self, that basically means that I was out raw dawing in motion in life, right? Because as soon as I felt uncomfortable, I wasn't taking a drink. As soon as I felt like I was out of place, I wasn't taking a drink. When I, when I felt like I was being judged socially, which is just a story in my head, I didn't have a drink to ease my anxiety, okay? Now, sitting here today, it's important to remember that I still have vices. I, I still, I like to be transparent about my vices because I want you to know that I'm still growing, that I'm still... Somebody who cannot authentically feel, accept, and be present in every single emotion because it's overwhelming for me. In terms of growth, I'm only a five-year-old, right? I've only been choosing myself intentionally for the last five years. So it would be, it would make sense that I would still be uncomfortable in big emotions because I've only had five years to experience them. I've only had five years to name them. I've only had five years to recognize where I actually feel them in my body. So I'm still a baby. I'm still an absolute baby when it comes to authentically op operating as my true authentic self. I said that word a lot, but it's important, right? So um, not only did I not have alcohol to lean into, but um, I had other safe opportunities to shove my face with food. Like my other addiction, my other vice right now is still sugar. Uh, I know it's not food. I know that I can get there because those are two different things. I choose sugar because it's the faster feeling it changes your emotion fast because you get that um, sugar into your system and it literally elevates who you are. So I know that. I know that um, I started choosing fast, efficient food options again instead of like cultivating and putting time and love and energy and intention into the, the meals I was making. And cannabis. I, I'm grateful actually. This is an interesting revelation is that there was a point I would say at about 2020-2021 that I was absolutely using too much cannabis and I'm not going to say too much like an unhealthy or addiction amount but this would have been the time frame that I started transitioning to like thinking and being present more and that was overwhelming instead of living in my past or living in my future through depression and anxiety I was trying to choose to be present and it was exhausting it was even boring at times very very boring I'm somebody who disassociates if I can think about the work I need to do later that sounds way more fun than just like pretend playing tea party for the seventh hour today right so that's important to really recognize right is that um, if you're unhappy with yourself in this moment, then you're going to do something to change that. So you're going to smoke a cigarette. You're going to swipe your Amazon credit card. You're going to do a line of Coke. You're going to call up a stranger on Tinder and you're going to have sex with them to elevate this current uncomfortable moment. Okay. So, so important to realize, friends. So when we look at this in the grand scheme of things, as I was saying earlier at the beginning of this conversation, is that we're never failing, Right. So at the time, um, I mean, I would I would probably still be heavy to myself in this regard and say that I failed my kid. I really feel like I failed my kid, but I'm not failing myself right now. I don't feel like I'm failing myself. I'll never regret using that time to redirect energy to be fully present with my kid, to, to using that time to redirect energy into finding the right therapist for him because it wasn't the first one. It's using that time to redirect my energy to be in, so intentional with him about the games he's playing and the music he's interested in and the things that he wanted he wants to do that probably interests me nothing. On a scale of one to ten, I I would say like I don't even know how to I don't know how to quant, quant, quant give you a quantitative example of this, but Cole and I don't have a lot in common. <laughs> we don't have a lot in common, so it absolutely is going to take intentionality and a lot of my energy to do the things he wants to do. And I'm not going to do it inauthentically. I'm not going to fake it. I'm going to be interested because he's interested. I'm going to be excited because he's excited. And that is a level of parenting that I never knew existed. That's a level of parenting I never got. It's a level of parenting that will take more of my energy because not only is it not my natural parenting method because that's not what I was shown growing up, but uh, it's because it's what he deserves, right? So it's going to pull from my glass and my glass will be exhaustedly empty if I don't find ways to give back to myself. So I'm not failing my kid. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not failing myself by putting 30 pounds back on. I'm just re prioritizing. 
And so um, I hope that that was helpful in regards to giving you permission and understanding that you are not failing because you're never failing. You just reorganize your priority list for today, for this week, for this month, for this season of life, for this year. That's all that it is. You're not failing, okay? You can have it all, but you can't have it all at once. So while you have the big fat house and the big fat bank account, what comes from that? If you are working your ass off or your partner's working your ass off, now you're sacrificing time with your kids. You're sacrificing time with your partner. sacrificing time with your loved ones. You're sacrificing time to your passions and your purpose, to giving back to your community, whatever it is that you're, is important to you. If you're overexerting your time by volunteering all your time, what's being affected by that? Well, your, your stress levels are being affected by that. If you um, don't have the time to now hang out with the people that you love, that's being affected by that, right? If, I mean, the connections are endless, okay? I could give you... A, a, a multitude of different types of examples, but I think you understand what I'm saying. So I really hope that your takeaways from today is just not only really um, giving yourself grace, but maybe even just sitting down and finding out and figuring out what your priorities are and being so okay with understanding that yours may not look like what everybody else's looks like. Okay. I'm going to try to make this short and sweet, but as an example, I was just talking to my mother-in-law about this. I love my dear Charlene um, about, being present with my grandmother. So my my grandmother um, and I were having a conversation about like a cousin of mine who was on a trip currently and um, her lifestyle versus my lifestyle. And not in comparison that one is better than the other, but just, I said, I hope that they're on this trip and my cousin and her husband having a great trip, investing in one another, you know, whatever, whatever. For me in my life, like it's not to say I'm not gonna travel to someplace tomorrow, but I really take at heart the create a life that you're not trying to escape from. Vacations are made up. Vacations are a money grab because if you truly loved your life, you wouldn't need to get away from it. Would you travel somewhere else as an experience? That's different. That's different, right? That's to broaden your horizons is to expose yourself to new cultures and ideas and things like that. But often vacation to other people is just like literally going somewhere and just doing nothing for three to five days. It's disconnecting. It's, it's literally turning off the world you came from. So I have worked very hard in the last five years to be so intentional around creating a life that I'm not trying to get away from. Sometimes I'm overwhelmed. Sometimes I'm burnt out. Sometimes I'm ready to just like clock out for a bit. Sure. But I don't think about running away nearly as often as I used to because I'm happy where I'm at. And that is what is giving me the freedom around money not being as high of a priority for me. We might not make the most money if you, if you had to compare it to like people our age or even like people that I know. But the mental capacity and freedom that Tony and I often have from having the immense amount of flexibility to be present for our children, to take vacations when we want to take, like, do I wish I had the, bus, the both worlds? Sure. And if I found that opportunity, I wouldn't take it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave it on the table for a second, but being again in full radical acceptance of my current reality in my life is what gives you the mental freedom to do that and not come from a place of lack and to not look at somebody else's house or bank account and think, oh my gosh, my life is terrible because I don't have what they have. Instead being, that's so great for them. I hope that that brings them passion, purpose, fulfillment, and growth. For me, I feel so good about where I'm at. I'm so grateful that my life looks exactly the way that it looks because it's meant for me. It caters my world. It caters my passions. It caters my ideas, my creativity, how I'm going to operate in this world. That's so great for me too. So I'm never failing. I'm just finding out one way I don't want to do life. That feels so much better, I hope. Okay, so friends, um, thank you for being here today. I very much appreciate you. It means the world to me that you listen to the ramblings. The hyperverbal is maybe a second superhuman strength of mine. It's just to whip out 60 minutes of content uh, just sitting here. <laughs> uh, but more importantly, uh, I hope that you got something for self to be able to take with you when you're feeling uh, anything that's just not good, right? So let me know if you resonated with this. Uh, leave me a comment. Put it to your stories. Share it with a friend. Whatever you might feel is valuable. And I hope, I hope that I will get to hear uh, your progression as well in some way, shape, or form. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, in the meantime, before we see each other the next time, of course, I, as always, hope that you stay happy, stay healthy, and wash your hands. I hope this was a nice rollout, by the way, because I feel like we just all of a sudden kind of like abruptly stop. But that's also what Rachel does, right? <laughs> There's like no formal ending, usually just a little bit of, okay, that was fun. So I'll see you next time, right? That's okay. That's what I love about my life. I love you very much. And I'm grateful for you. Have a good day.